God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Welcome. My name is Blaine, and this is a Recovery Addicts podcast. In this podcast, we're going to talk all things recovery. We're going to break down different recovery programs like NA, AA, some faith-based recovery. We'll get into things like gambling addiction, sex addiction, overeating, mental health issues associated with substance use and abuse. Uh, we'll look at different recovery modalities like cognitive behavioral therapy. We'll do interviews with guests from each program and uh, pick their brain and figure out how they recovered and figure out what worked for them and what didn't. Uh, I am in recovery from drugs and alcohol. I have five years, nine months sober, and I have a beautiful life today because I gave my life to a higher power and surrendered to these programs and really gave it an opportunity to work in my life. Uh, the point of this podcast is to give you guys that information that I've acquired over the years and to accumulate more information from people that have real recovery. Uh, this is a nonprofit podcast. You know, any money that I get here will go back into recovery and into a homeless outreach program. Uh, following this, will be a testimony that I gave at Faith Fueled Recovery here in Auburn. And so you guys can learn a little bit about my background and my history. Uh, in the future, we'll be starting with Alcoholics Anonymous and looking at you know the history of that and how it was developed and looking at the 12 steps, how they work and why they work. And we'll just go from there and take it one step at a time, one day at a time, and we'll recover together. Stay tuned. Thank you. And uh, I'm in recovery from drugs and alcohol. And uh, all the glory to God, I have not, in eight years, I have not done my laundry in the creek at 2 a.m. Praise God. <laughs> and I, I don't share these things to tell you like all the crazy stuff that used to go on in my life, right? I share with you guys that to let you know where I used to be and where I'm at today, right? And all the glory to God, though. Amen? Amen. There's more to that story, too, so sometime I'll tell you guys. <laughs> but hey, at this moment, I'm going to have uh, the speaker come up. Um, you guys, oh, man, this is, this is awesome that um, I get the honor and privilege to do this. Um, Blake, come on up here. Um, I'm going to... So... So actually, Hannah brought Blaine, and I was like, okay, so Hannah has been with us for years, as you know, and uh, some of you ladies, every time you guys, you guys, those of you that have been with us for years, when you bring a man, we're like, hmm, who is this guy, <laughs> right? Because we're protective. And so we're like, hmm, who is this guy, huh? You know what? But praise God. I'll tell you what. God has his way of uh, working things out. And uh, man, I just want to say I've gotten to know Blaine and uh, just his fire for God, his fire for recovery, his fire for the community is just it goes beyond measure. And uh, seriously, you know, he's actually the one of the ones that um, encourages to start the homeless outreach. And it's like things like, um, you know, people like Blaine that just come out of the woodwork and uh, mention something, you know, hey, let's do this, right? And we're like, okay, you know, are you willing to put in the work? 
right? Because it takes a lot of work to do things in ministry and recovery, right? And he sponsors men. He, he does a lot in the community. He does H&I, you know, and um, this is what it takes, right? Look at those who have an amount of uh, time clean and look at what they're doing, right? They're, just, they're not just sitting home, right? Waiting to relapse, waiting to uh, catch resentment, right? Because that's what we do, right? But he's active in his recovery. He's active in his word. And that's what it takes to, you know, maintain long-term sobriety. So listen to what he, uh, he says tonight. It's an honor and privilege to listen to you, bro. Thank you guys appreciate it thank you nick it was awesome i'm so grateful to be here of all the places i could be right now being uh being an ffr is a spot you know such a such a blessing to be introduced to this place you know by my beautiful fiance yeah. and we're getting married next weekend yeah. so grateful to be introduced to ffr and to all of you guys you know uh, it's quite the, quite the group of people, quite the crowd, you know, you look around, some characters in here. You know, so it's kind of the perfect mixture between like NA and church, you know, you get like, you, get, you know, some characters in church, you get some characters in NA, and then you come here and it's kind of like this special blend we got. In here. And I fit right in, don't, don't think I'm, a, you know, I exclude myself there, but, um, you know, so... Just like Nick was saying, uh, it's all about being active in recovery. And, you know, I was very active in my addiction and, and uh, you know, I had to turn that around. And it's not an overnight thing, but, uh, you know, when I grew up, uh, I come from a house of, of uh, dysfunction. Both my parents were, you know, come from dysfunction, addiction, um, and they did their best, don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm so blessed to come from where I come from, you know, a household with loving parents that, that worked hard and instilled morals and values that, that carried me through my life and uh, was very fundamental in my upbringing. But you know, some of those dysfunctional qualities get passed down, you know, we pass them down to our children. And uh, you know, I was no different in that. Um, I grew up in this area in Placer County, you know, in my childhood and uh, Sacramento County and in my adult life and uh, growing up you know I was super into sports and uh, you know just kind of was interested in, in men that were you know macho like commando types and then later on you know I idolized gangsters and got into gangster rap and and uh, you know watched a lot of violent you know movies and, and was relatively unsupervised as, as a child because uh, my parents worked all the time, you know, they had to support and, uh, you know, God bless them because I didn't want for anything as a kid. Um, but being unsupervised, you know, we were able to get into things that we normally might not have been able to. And, uh, you know, I feel like that's one of the ways that the, the devil gets us at a young age. You know, we get we get drawn into, um, you know, this violent imagery and, and, uh, and all the temptations of life. You know, and 
And if you're gonna, you know, try to brainwash a child, it, that's the time to do it is when they're young, you know, when they come up in that system and they're already brought up in negative, you know, ideology and thinking. And, you know, we get brought up in society that's just bombarding us with sex and money and drugs and violence. And uh, that's, you know, what I was attracted to. And that's what, you know, I grew up in. And, uh, you know, as a young man, I just, you know, I looked at these men and I just, I wanted to be, you know, like I said, a commando or a sports player or a gangster, but really I, I was just lost and didn't know who I was. And that carried on, you know, well through my adulthood until I got sober, really. Um, I was always portraying different uh, images of what I of what I wanted to reflect or you know what I thought a man was and supposed to do and that was just because I didn't know who I was um, you know I thought I wanted to be a gangster at a young age and you know I, I, I traveled down that road and then I decided I wanted to go into the military and you know go special forces and I went down that road and uh, you know I got kicked out for violence in there um, and you know, when I came home, it was about 2008, 2009, and, and the Oxycontin epidemic was in full swing. And uh, I had seen people, you know, older than me and people that were um, my age that were really struggling with it. Um, but, you know, I just had like this Superman mentality that it couldn't happen to me. You know, I'm, I'm above it for whatever reason. You know, I'm not gonna get addicted. You know, I had partied in high school, uh, you know, nothing major, but, um, you know, ecstasy, alcohol at a young age. And, you know, I thought that I could handle it and nothing would be able to take me out. But, you know, as we all know, uh, those opiates are a whole different story. Um, they, you become physically addicted, you know, and then it basically just hijacks your brain, you know, and your, your thought patterns, and your behaviors all become centered around the getting and using of more, you know, regardless of the consequences, regardless of any type of pain that you're causing yourself or others, you know, you're willing to do whatever it takes to get loaded, uh, steal from your own family, you know, uh, commit violent crime, you know, whatever it takes, you'll sell anything and everything. I'll sell my stuff and your stuff, you know, to, to get that next hit. And, uh, before I knew it, I was addicted and living in that lifestyle. And, you know, like I said before, I was attracted to the to the outlaw lifestyle at a young age. And, and I just kind of went back into that whole thing and uh, got into, you know, sales and armed robberies and and always tried to hold a job. And I, you know, I was more of a chameleon. You know, I could, I could show up to an interview and be the person you wanted me to be. You know, and I learned how to, rub elbows with people that had money. You know, I, I could clean, cut myself up and, and, and sit there and, and be presentable and, and get along with anybody. You know what I mean? I can, I can talk to CEOs and businessmen. I can, I can hang out in the church and I can go hang out in the ghetto and, and, and do that whole thing too. And it's because I'm, I'm an actor. You know what I mean? I can portray these images because I don't know who the fuck, excuse me, I don't know who I am. You know what I mean? I was lost. And so I, I reach to these idolatries and reach these ideas and I can portray those things to other people. And I'm, a, I'm believable, you know, I can really play those parts to the full extent. You know, uh, as an addict, you know, a lot of us are like all or nothing, you know what I mean? And, and when I'm all in, I'm all in. And uh, I dove full on into the streets like that and uh, really lived that life to the fullest extent that I could. 
and uh, and you know I, I liked it. You know, all, all the fast money and, and girls and, and cars and the whole thing, weapons, violence, all that. Um, but it, it, it's a dead end road, you know, and it's nothing but but pain and suffering at the end of the day. And we get caught up in in the sin of the world, you know. We get caught up in in pleasure seeking, you know, and temptation. And, you know, you can only pleasure seek for so long before that turns into pain. You know, at the end of that tunnel is a painful outcome. And, uh, you know, it talks about this in 1 Peter 5.10. You bring that up. And after you have suffered a little while, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2.12. 212. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit is now at work in those who are disobedient. And that was me. You know what I mean? I was I was lost in sin, I was lost in that transgression. And there's power in that darkness. You know, you if you if you work in that darkness, it's the same, you know, it's the same type of power, you know, but it at the end of the day, it's all pain, you know, and we, we cause our, our loved ones pain, we cause ourselves pain, and, uh, and you know, it's just a miserable existence at the end of the day. It's not fulfilling, you know, I, I walk, you know, around and, and just aimlessly, I didn't have any purpose. My next, you know, my purpose was to get the next bag, to get the money, to get whatever I wanted. I wasn't, you know, serving anything above myself, and, uh, and really was just miserable. And, uh, you know, you can only play in the streets for so long before you start getting locked up. And, uh, you know, if you're really out there, you're going to start going to jail. And that's what happened to me. And, you know, I was in and out. And, you know, thankfully, I had been introduced into these rooms by my father uh, when I was a young man, about 18 years old. Uh, he had gotten sober. And uh, so I knew that there was a way out. You know, I, I'd seen people come in these rooms and, and get sober and stay sober. And, uh, you know, I had kind of dibbled and dabbled in recovery and, you know, one foot in, one foot out, kind of trying to do things my way and not really, you know, surrender to the program or surrender to God. And, and it, you know, it took a lot of tragedy in my life. I, I ran away from Sacramento and moved to Tahoe uh, to get away from the streets and, and try to clean up and do something different. And I, I met a girl up there and, uh, you know, uh, things moved quickly and we had a baby and, you know, uh, I was, or she got pregnant and, you know, I, I was trying to do my best to hold it together. And then my best friend died of an overdose and, uh, you know, I had no coping mechanisms other than drugs and alcohol. And that's all I had learned how to do. And that's all that I could turn to. I didn't have a, a working relationship with my higher power. Uh, I didn't have any healthy coping mechanisms. And, uh, you know, I just turned back to what I knew and uh, tried to numb that pain. We moved back to Sacramento to, you know, try to get a better life, you know, there, there's more opportunity out here. Um, I knew people, I had job opportunities, we moved back out here. And so now I have this baby and, and I'm still grieving of my best friend and, you know, trying to hold it together, trying to hold a job. And, uh, you know, I'm powerless, 
That, that's what it comes down to. My life is unmanageable. And what that looks like for me is I'm not able to hold on to jobs. I'm not able to hold on to relationships. You know, I'm not able to hold on to vehicles. I'm not able to hold on to any freaking money in my pocket. You know, I'm not all able to hold on to anything. You know, my life is unmanageable. I can't stay out of jail. I can't do anything. Uh, you know, I can hold together for a little bit, but, but eventually it all falls apart. And uh, Lindsay's mom, I'm so grateful that you're here today. It's incredible. Uh, her, her mom comes from dysfunction, but she wasn't an addict and she wasn't hip to what I was doing, but eventually she found out and she split. And uh, you know, again, my coping mechanisms were nothing. And I, I turned back to drugs and, and uh, I was heartbroken. As many of us know, uh, you know that heartbreak is, is a difficult one to navigate in recovery, let alone addiction. Uh, if you don't have the coping mechanisms, you're gonna turn to what's familiar, and familiar to me was drugs and alcohol in the streets, uh, you know. But I, I knew that I wanted something different. I knew that Lindsay deserved a better life than I could provide her when I was drinking and using. Um, I knew that I wanted something better for myself. You know, I was, I was so tired of running around and causing everybody that I love pain. Um, but again, I was powerless. And eventually, you know, I got arrested um, for an armed robbery and a bunch of other felonies. And I was able to, it was almost like a relief. You know, I was able to be removed from the streets because I was so powerless and I wanted to be sober, but I was incapable of being sober on my own volition. It was, I was not able to stay out of the liquor store. You know, every morning, 6 a.m., I was there regardless. Um, and, you know, eventually, when I had that opportunity, I, I made the decision right then and there that, that I was gonna get sober and change my life. And I knew that this program worked, and, you know, I knew that if I reached out to God that he would, that he would answer me. And, uh, you know, that goes into the first Peter 510. Uh, and after you suffer a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And when I reached out to, to God, he answered, you know, and I immediately found peace within myself. And I knew it was going to be okay. I knew that as long as I held up my end of the deal and, you know, repented, you know, and, and worked through these steps and, and, uh, and, learned how to live clean and sober, as long as I did that, that God would put me in the right places and I would be able to take advantage of those and, uh, and do something with my life. I didn't care if I ever got Lindsay back. You know, I had lost her at that point in time. I didn't care if I ever got out of jail. You know, I just needed some peace and serenity within myself. You know, that's all I was searching for. Uh, you know, I was broken inside and my body was breaking down too. And I just needed to be okay with myself. And the only way I was able to be okay with myself is if I was okay with my creator. And it starts there, you know, and we build off that foundation and we start working these steps. You know, with that first step, we admit we're powerless and our lives are unmanageable. Pretty obvious to me, right? Uh, you know, and then we believe that a higher power can restore us to sanity. You know, I had seen other people in these programs get and stay sober. I knew that it could work. And I knew that I wasn't totally burnt, and I knew I still had a chance at 
at recovering and making something of myself. You know, I got sober at 28. Um, so, you know, I was relatively young and I knew I had a, a lot of life ahead of me and I could do something with myself if I was able to get and stay sober at that time, you know, and, uh, and it took time, you know, but I just had that faith that, uh, that it would work out for me, you know, and I had to change everything. I had to change all of my daily habits. You know, I had to change the way that I talked to myself. You know, I had to change the way that I talked to other people. I had to be, you know, rigorously honest. You know, I was a fucking liar, dude. I'd lie, cheat, manipulate everybody. Uh, and to become brutally honest is, is a difficult thing. And, uh, but we just do it one day at a time. You know, that's how we do everything in here. And when you start to do it one day at a time, you're stacking wins, right? Every, every day that you're, you know, you're living in God's will, that becomes more of a habit, you know? We don't turn into drug addicts overnight and we, you know, we don't recover overnight either. Um, so I started working these, these steps, you know, in my life and in my daily walk and, uh, you know, started exercising and reading literature every day. And, you know, I spent a lot of time in the hole, you know, and I couldn't run for myself anymore. It was just me and God in a little box, you know, and I was freaking sober for the first time ever, really. And uh, feeling all those emotions and, uh, you know, having all these memories. And I just took advantage of that time and really got it all on paper and, and spent time with my creator and, and, and worked through it. Uh, you know, when we're walking in faith and we're walking with God and we're living a positive life, you know, only good things can happen. And, uh, you know, when I took that third step and I made the decision to turn my will and my life over to higher power, you know, I took that seriously. You know, we made that decision, right? That decision means we're not going back to our old way of life. We're not going back to our old way of thinking. You know, we're, we're repenting and we're turning towards God and that's it. We're deciding to live our lives for God. We're trying to align our will with God's will. And it's not a perfect road. You know, I obviously still make mistakes. Everybody does. But, you know, that's why, you know, we work that 10th step, you know, and have a daily inventory and, and take a look at our lives and have an awareness of what's going on. And when we're, when we're wrong, we promptly admit it. Uh, but when I, when I took that step, you know, I asked God to come into my life and align my will with his will. And, uh, you know, for me, that looks like service. It looks like, uh, it looks like, you know, trying to live as righteous as possible. And, uh, you know, just trying not to be a, a piece of shit, you know, trying not to lie, cheat and steal, trying to, you know, help people where I can and just be honest and a good person and, uh, and do that one day at a time. And uh, going to James 1, 12. Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Things continue to happen in, in sobriety. You know, it's not like you get sober and all of a sudden your life is, is, that's it. You know what I mean? Like all our troubles are over. You know, life, life will continue to show up and it's going to continue to test you. But when you are able to walk through difficult times in sobriety without turning to drugs and alcohol, it's a win, you know? And, and the more that you can do that, 
the more you build self-confidence, you know, and you become unshakable in your recovery, you become unshakable in your faith and your foundation, and eventually you get to a point where, where nothing can touch you, you know, because you're walking in complete faith of God, you know, and uh, leaning not on your own understanding, right? But, but knowing that you're not in control, that God is in control, and even if it doesn't work out in your favor, that, uh, that it's working out in his favor, in one way or another. And, uh, you know, I'm at a point in my life right now where, you know, I don't think you, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to use. You know, my life is so good and, and so blessed. And the more that I have dove into this recovery life and the more that I have tried to align my will with God's will and be of service, the better my life has gotten. Um, it's undeniable, you know. And that's just right in line with, you know, our, you see it on everything in here, right? Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, you know. And uh, today, in my recovery, you know, it, it's all about trying to be of service. You know, we, we can only keep what we have by giving it away. You know, that's that 12 step, you know, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. You know, we try to give this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in all our affairs, you know. And uh, if you haven't done that, if you're in recovery and have some clean time and you, ha and you haven't worked with another sponsor, with a sponsee, you really need to do that. You need to become of service and, and help another person. There's nothing more powerful than seeing somebody coming off the streets broken and you know, you're able to be that glimmer of light and, and be able to show them you know, that recovery is possible and then help them through these steps and you see that light turn on inside of them and you see them gain some hope for the first time. And, uh, and you see their lives change, you know, you, they start to get the, the car, you know, they start to get the house, the, the relationships back, and those things can happen quickly. But you need to, uh, you have to remember how it felt when you first came here, you know, and how broken and empty you were, you know, because your life will get better, you know, and sometimes it gets better quickly. But if you forget where you come from and, and you don't stay connected to this program or stay connected to your higher power, you know, when things happen in life and your foundation is not built on recovery, it's easy to turn back to old habits. You know, and that's why we say meeting makers make it. You know, if you talk to anybody that, that relapses and I always ask them, you know, what happened? And one of the first things I always say is I stopped coming to meetings. You know, I stopped, uh, I stopped being connected to the program. I stopped talking to people in recovery and, you know, we're our own worst enemy. You know, when we disconnect and we isolate, uh, you know, we get in our own heads and, you know, that addictive thinking, you know, it talks to you in your own voice, you know, and, and it'll manipulate you back into that, that old way of life. And, uh, so we got to stay connected and, uh, the biggest part of staying connected is staying in, in contact with your higher power, you know. And for me, you know, I wake up and, and pray and read the Bible every morning. And uh, 
and try to stay in some uh, recovery literature, you know, and, and try to stay in touch with my higher power. And it, it's been a journey, you know, I didn't grow up in church and, uh, you know, the idea of the Bible being uh, the infallible word of God, you know, written by man was, was difficult for me to wrap my head around. You know, I have a natural distrust for people, especially people in power. Um, so, you know, I was a skeptic, you know, I loved everything that Jesus said in the Bible and I loved the teachings of the Bible, but I had a hard time um, believing a lot of it. And, you know, I've prayed and meditated a lot about it and, and done, you know, a lot of my own individual research. And, uh, you know, I believe God spoke to me and said, you don't have to trust people. You just have to trust me. Amen. You know, and so as long as I've put my trust in Jesus Christ, my life has gotten better. And that's all I know. You know, I have a faith today that's unshakable. I have peace and serenity in my life. Um, I'm so incredibly blessed and it's just continued to get better and better. And that was only since I made that decision uh, to give my life to Christ and to walk this path. So if, if you're new, stick around. Uh, don't leave before the miracle happens, you know. Work these steps to the best of your ability. Find a sponsor and reach out to your creator. Thank you, guys. Victorious, we became, but never forgot where we came from. Life or death, not a game. We came to change the lane. Recovery addicts, that's the name. Give yourself a break, just one day at a time. You were born to shine, so live and let love be forever. My sister, my brother, don't give in. Please remember, the lie is dead. We do recover. Welcome home.